You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum, may peace and blessings of God be upon you, and welcome to another episode of Saturday Morning Live right here on the Voice of Islam Radio. Uh, today is the 24th of December, Christmas Eve, uh, and I am joined with my guests. Some I guess my co-presenters. Sorry, guys, you're not guests. You're your co-presenters. Yeah, don't, don't, I'm not trying to take away responsibility from you guys. <laughs> my co-presenters today are Noshawan, Zafir, and Kudus Mutin. Assalamualaikum, guys. May peace and blessings be upon you. I'm happy. To, I'm happy if you if you take away that. No, 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 no. You're not guests. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll be looking at you guys a lot throughout the show to, to, to help and support me. Um, so today in the first hour, as usual, we'll be talking through some of the headlines and surprisingly today I feel like we've got a lot to talk about, uh, which doesn't always happen, but um, the more the merrier. Uh, and then in the second hour, we'll be talking about Christmas, the festive season, how Muslims celebrate and you know what, uh, you know, what the festivities look like uh, in, in the UK. Um, and... Yeah, so let's kickstart with some news stories. And first, I guess I'll come to you, Nosh. What do you have for us? Yeah, so as as uh, we were saying before the show, we thought we'd start off with something a little bit more lighthearted today. Yeah. Um, there's a video going viral on the internet at the moment of uh, of a bus driver somewhere in London. He abandoned his passengers on the side of the road, still in the bus at a bus stop, so he could cross the street and get some uh, fried chicken. And so his passengers are just sitting there in the, in, in the bus. Yeah, looking at yeah, him. yeah. And so the bus is blocking traffic in both directions <laughs> and he's just gone out to get himself some lunch. As you I do, though. <laughs> Absolutely love it. As you do. Can you just imagine the passengers? <laughs> the, the shock of the passengers. What is going on here? Mm. Yeah, exactly. And I guess... So rightfully, TFL is now investigating, and well, a uh, full investigation for for because oh, it you brought right. Yeah, no, of course. But <laughs> is this part? Is this his way of striking? Who knows? <laughs> but I mean, I guess yeah. What would you guys do if if you were on the bus and the driver just left to do something like this? I'll be honest, I might just join him. <laughs> I could join him. <laughs> get off the bus and gig. I've got a funny more. bus story actually. So when I was um a kid. Um, I was probably maybe about 10 or 11 and uh, I always thought for some reason that bus journeys used to go around in circles I thought it was just like a, like wherever, whatever direction it's going in it'll, and they'll always pass each other because I, th- I thought it was like a, a, a circular route so I was living in Wandsworth at the time and I needed to go to Tooting to get a haircut I must have been 10 or 11 and um I was waiting for either the 44 or the, what was the other one, 270 from Wandsworth to go to Tooting. And I'm waiting for a long time. And I'm seeing so many buses go the other way. And I'm thinking, I'm I'm waiting now. It might have been 15, 20 minutes. I could have been sure. I don't know how time flew when I was younger. So I'm thinking, okay, you know what? I'm going to jump on the other side and get one of the buses going the other way because ultimately I'll end up in Tooting anyway. I've never been the other way. I don't. 
I've never been the other way. I didn't know where I was going to end up or what I was going to pass through. But I thought it might be an adventure. It might be a journey. So um, I sat on the bus. And then I'm like going past all these places I've never seen before. And then all of a sudden the bus stops at one place. And then I realize there's no more passengers on the bus. And also the bus driver's got on, gotten out of his cockpit. And then he's like, uh, yeah, this is the end of the journey, mate. And I look around, I'm like, what? Where Where am I? And he goes, when Vauxhall. And I was like crying. <laughs> I was like, wait, this is not where I'm meant to be. I wanted to go to him to get a haircut. And then he just looked at me with pity and said, don't worry, stay on the bus. <laughs> You'll go yeah, back. Come back <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's my, that's my bus journey. But, um, yeah, thanks for that. For me, the new story that I have is obviously Sunday was a big day. Uh, in history, actually, because the World Cup concluded with its final of France, the um, previous World Cup winners, and Argentina, long-awaiting contenders for the World Cup. And uh, what a game. What an absolute game. Unbelievable. Uh, honestly. Uh, uh, Great competition. Really, really incredible competition. I mean, even up to the, I mean, I think... It d- just just the, the the final itself yeah. was the, the the best final ever, and I think every pundit, every every footballing fan, yeah. agrees to that. Yeah. Um, uh, whoever has at least watched the, the 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 recent World Cups in the last maybe ten, twenty, thirty years. Yeah. And uh, but the World Cup itself, the organization of the World Cup, where it was held, how it was held how much inclusion it was mm-hmm. <coughs> and how accessible it was to everyone yeah and and, and you, the amount of families you saw in this in the stadium was shocking it was like so you've never seen this before so yeah. many families so many people coming in mm. so ma- many men women children coming and watching the world cup mm. in one sort of it, it's it was like a city where where you have two main stadiums yeah and and you can travel in between it's an only half an yeah. hour's journey between yeah, and I think that itself uh, speaks volumes. Actually, all the all the stadiums within one city, all yeah, the stadiums. Yeah. I think it was a, a nine or eight or nine stadiums were all within Doha, which is incredible. And I, th- I and I was telling my friends as well. I think is I think we missed out on an opportunity to to actually visit the World Cup um, because I don't know of another opportunity we'll get of it. One being in a Muslim country, for it being. Um, uh, we're accommodating to our needs as Muslims but then also for it to be so accessible everything to be so accessible and for all communities uh, and people of all different cultures and faiths to be in such close proximity now if you I'm sure everyone would have seen scenes uh, on social media um, I, I can't remember the name it's like a souk or like a little bazaar area which is quite famous for the World Cup in Qatar in Doha where you see just crowds and crowds and crowds of different supporters and I know friends that have that went there and every one of them said it was absolutely incredible to go past so many people and you'd see people from Brazil doing their chants people from other African nations doing their celebrations and just enjoying the 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 the, the scenes and the, and the environment and it looked like a very very vibrant and just joyous place to be and for me personally I feel kind of gutted that I, I missed out on it but um, yeah you're completely right I mean this has also been seen as one of the safest World Cups so far 
and um, I, I, it, there's been no reports of any major crimes of any uh, har- harassment we know that um, in previous national competitions and tournaments it, it, it was a big issue and I remember everyone remembers scenes from the Euros and the Euros that took uh, that took place over here I remember how, what Wembley was like yeah it was absolutely it was. disgusting how, how people behaved especially with drinks and, and we know when Alcohol is is involved as a factor in what it does to to humans and how 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 people behave and uh, yeah I think it's something. Well, uh, one of the um, I was listening to another news <laughs> about the World Cup when it finished. Actually, on the day of the final, I remember the comments, and he goes, "You know, this is the World Cup where no England fan has been arrested." Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that's a sad record to to almost be proud of yeah. of holding. As in, I think. For most people, and and this is, I think, true, our our listeners will agree, the vast majority of people are not hooligans, right? But it is, unfortunately, that very small minority that is very loud and and Mm. leaves a very, very bad reputation, particularly for English fans across Europe and the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. But then also, I think what happens is, unfortunately, I think, especially within our culture, alcohol is synonymous or it's very closely linked to football. I think people, especially for for um, you know English f- fans or the generic people in 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 England, I think it's it's not something that you can kind of take away from football. And when th- even if it's a small minority of people that behave this way, I think when alcohol is consumed, it's very easy for people to jump on that sort of behaviour and it kind of just yeah. spreads. But I think that that lack of alcohol, at the very least. To, to some extent availability but not 100%. in the stadiums yeah. um, and even then making it relatively expensive yeah. meant people simply could not afford to go get drunk yeah, um, but, but like, like, like we said th- it changed the atmosphere of, of the tournament completely it was far far more family friendly and like, like you said so many more families visiting mm-hmm. men, women, children the whole the whole shebang right yeah. um, and surely that's that's got to be a good thing right as yeah. in we, we see here and we've, we've all just sort of mentioned what happened at the Euros last year here but it's not just here you, you think pretty much any World Cup there's always crime which yeah. I think the 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 authorities over in Qatar did a great job of sort of keeping in check right as in there were no major crimes and that includes things like muggings or, or anything like that yeah. as in the police had a good control I know western media obviously had had quite a few things to say about it's an author- authoritarian state and, and <laughs> more than and, a few things yeah, yeah and this and that right but I think as in we should probably be looking at the benefits of, of what those things 100%. actually led to. As in, yeah. It was a tournament fans could go to in safety. They, they could watch good football and then they can come home with some good stories to tell their friends and family. 100%. No, I completely agree. And you're right, you know, in, in terms of the media did have a lot to say uh, at the beginning regarding um, the plausibility of... Uh, Qatar, Qatar holding the World Cup and uh, all of these things and, and and our viewpoint has been from the beginning that you know if if, if anyone is going to criticize anyone else then they've got to have at least a toe to stand on to to try and say something about you know so we uh, basically we are not as so perfect for us to criticize another country or another government about their doings because we also have a, a, our own wrongdoings and our own things to you know, yeah. to be wary uh, yeah. of. Um, I mean, just uh, as a um, and that's another point which was raised by many of the obviously criticizers as well as those who were positive 
about the the World Cup taking place in Qatar. But one of the things in terms of looking at the history of the UK, when I think it was in 1966 we won the World Cup, and uh, and and at, that, at the time actually, um, uh, so so at the time it it wasn't allowed for gay men to to, to carry out sexual activities um, at the time, and it yeah. was only in 1967 that the Sexual Offences Act actually came about. Mm-hmm. Uh, the recommendations of the Wolfenden report at the time were taking place and the Sexual Offences Act 1967 came in b- about. And that only partially legalized same-sex, same-sex acts in the UK between men over the age of 21 conducted in private. Mm-hmm. And the year before, England had award- won the World Cup. Mm. So... <clears throat> Now we're here in 2022 mm. criticizing Qatar mm. uh, for LGBT rights, mm. but we don't look at our own history. Yeah, I think yeah. if we're going to make a slightly more political point here, it's as a Muslim-majority nation, Qatar has the full right to choose its own laws, right? And I personally think that this is a sense of, of self-righteousness and hypocrisy for Western nations to come across and say, do you know what, these things that we agreed with you on just a generation ago that we no longer disagree on, you're the backwards countries, mm. right? And if we if we look at the differences between East and West, they've obviously got very big cultural differences, but also religious ones. Mm-hmm. So there, there are many voices in this country who suggest that the laws in, in the UK should be aligned to Christian values. Uh, and to an extent, they're not wrong, at least until the most recent census data said that the Christians are no longer a majority. Yeah. However, we should then surely apply the same logic and the same thinking to, to those who are not Christian countries. So uh, uh, as a Muslim nation, Qatar is, it, it has the right to, to uphold its laws in, in the ways that it sees fit with with the values, traditions, and and religious beliefs of of the majority of its people, hundred percent. I think it's a really good point, actually. And also, what has the outcome of it been? Of it upholding its Islamic values and principles and laws? What has the outcome been? The outcome has been that it's been, I I would say, in my opinion, from since I've been alive, is one of the greatest World Cups I've ever witnessed. Not just because of the atmosphere, I, which I didn't personally experience, but also the games. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know if it was the lack of alcohol that made the games up. And th- another thing, this is this has been the highest goal-scoring World Cup. The most goals ever scored in a World Cup has been in this in this uh, in this world in this tournament. So um, yeah, it, it could be down to the. I, I, yeah, I, I mean, I'll come to the games because the games are, you know, we can talk about the games probably the whole show. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, one of the things I I I really liked and and was that the. Um, uh, in the um, opening ceremony, oh, uh, yeah. there was the they started with the, you know the recitation of the Holy Quran, mm-hmm. and uh, and and that f- was uh, that was the pinnacle. As in, that was just amazing to to see that that is happening on a World Cup stage, and um, many of the Western um, television uh, outlets didn't actually show that. Uh, ceremony, that part of the ceremony at least, uh, which was qu- quite a shame. It's qu- uh, quite sad to see that you know we take this approach here, but nevertheless, um, for those you know pe- the pe- people who watched it, I think they they loved it, and and I think just coming back to the games on 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 the ones you're mentioning, I think um, 
one of the key th- things to take away is that Morocco, the oh, f- first yeah. Arab nation to to actually um, African African mm. nation to well, they, yeah, mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. This this is the fun thing. It is an African nation, but uh, I, I think they have a close connection to to to, Arab, to the yeah. Arab uh, yeah. world, um, and. Uh, they were the first first time ever to to for for african nation to actually reach the semifinals yeah and that was and they played really well they really really they played really well. well and and it wasn't like it wasn't a fluke it was no it was no like criticisms uh, on on their behalf they really played uh, defensively they were really strong they only let, and up to the, i think up to the semifinal they only let in uh, one or two goals and one of mm-hmm. them was uh, an own goal Mm-hmm. Uh, so tri- teams were really struggling against Morocco, and they had some mm-hmm. really young, young players, really talented players who, who were playing. So it was a, it was a brilliant game, brilliant games to watch. So uh, yeah, I think everyone likes the underdog story, isn't it? Hundred percent, always, but yeah. it just makes it a little bit better when you see that there's such sort of a nice bunch of people, you know, as in the way these guys at the end of any victorious match, they'd always go into prostration to thank to thank Allah for their success right yeah. and their mothers would run onto the pitch yeah. to embrace them and it was just it was just wholesome right it wasn't it was yeah it was very very different to sort of the victory parades western players sort of doing all these big gestures yeah. and movements and it's always because you know they're going to end up on one of those panini stickers right and they just <laughs> want a good photo for that uh, and you could tell that this was different it actually meant something to them yeah no no it was very wholesome you're right and um, again it was it, it was incredible as you mentioned it was it was great and I think um, everyone, nearly every Muslim, was most likely, unless you're, uh, it's not impossible to imagine, but also not very likely that if you're a French patriot, if you if you're not a French patriot, you'll be most likely supporting Morocco for the remainder of the of the World Cup. So um, yeah, it was amazing. Um, any other sentiments from from the World Cup? I mean, Qatar can definitely hold a World Cup. Uh, I mean, the Arab world they show that they. Uh uh, they're really, really um, brilliant organizers yeah. Yeah. of 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 yeah. a tournament, and 100%. FIFA should, you know, bear that in mind. And I think that that's a key takeaway where f- women, families, men, children can all come around, watch and enjoy the, the the sport, which is a world sport. It's not only a Western sport. It's not a European sport. It's actually a sport for everyone, and that showed it um, that you know everyone can be can enjoy it and and watch it and also play it so yeah and i think it's it's good that it was a success not just for the sake of being a success but considering how much sort of negative media press coverage there was mm-hmm. a lot of western pundits sort of it, having this negative sort of outlook for for the tournament saying it can't be good it won't be good right mm-hmm. and it almost not allowing it to be good because they felt that the the views of of the people in Qatar don't align with their own, um, but like the Qatar uh, uh, Qatari people said, as in it's it was a tournament where people would be welcome irrespective of their beliefs or values, right? And I think that whole issue around sort of the equality thing that was a very very big thing at the beginning of the tournament. I don't know about you, but I I thought it sort of died down by the end because everyone was focused on the football, football yeah, yeah, rather yeah. than the politics. <laughs> That's true. Um, and and really the fact that they've got through an entire tournament without a scandal probably. I mean, the thing <laughs> is, there's also that <laughs> another thing is that if they really. So they were saying, for example, many of the Western, uh, many of the media companies weren't showing uh, the inauguration, uh, opening ceremony, 
Now, if they wanted to really boycott World Cup, they shouldn't have sent their teams there. Yeah. yeah. Then don't send your teams there. And if if you really want to send a message, don't send your teams there. Mm. And if we're talking Sorry. about opening... But it happened in Russia, right? The, I mean, we were, Europe, Europe was happening when, when the European uh, champ, uh, tournament was happening. Mm. It, was, it was in Russia, wasn't it? So, and, and, and at the time, West was saying, you know, we don't want, we're going to boycott it. Mm. But at the, at the end of the day, we still played. We still went ahead and played. But also, sorry, just to remember, yeah. remember your point. But um, just also on that as well, I can't remember what year it was, but it was du- during uh, Nazi reign when the Olympics took place in Berlin. 36. 36, exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, the Americans went. Uh, what was his name? Oh, Jesse something. But Je- he, yeah. he, 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 set, he set the world record for, for, for the running. Yeah. Uh, and again, as in the Americans didn't agree, but they still sent because... Exactly. It was Jesse Owens, wasn't it? That was the one. <clears throat> and sorry, then yeah. he made... Um, uh, and in his, in, and in his, uh, I think when he won the gold medal, he actually made a gesture at the podium, mm. which then saw him, uh, and it was about black, black. I mean, sort of in terms of what was the treatment of black uh, persons in yeah. in America. I think at the time, yeah. and uh, he made this gesture. And I think after that, they they really didn't want to do. do, do you know what's interesting? I, I I was l- watching uh, something uh, about that incident, and there was an Australian athlete on the podium with them, so a white Australian athlete, yeah. and he joined them in terms of he didn't condone sort of the uh, the the gesture, and he joined them, but he sort of gave them his respect, and he joined them on the podium. Mm. The Australian authorities did not like that, and so they revoked him from any future Olympic access. Oh wow! Because of that, because they said you should have left the podium, because we don't condone this, uh-huh. yeah. right? But I think that was a very early example of again, sort of someone not in that p- position of of oppression, but still standing by those people. Yeah. In the time of making a political statement, but I can see, uh, but you've got the uh, f- uh, closing ceremony yeah. thing, which I was just going to come on to. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, do you want to talk? No, about no, you, that? Can, you can. Yeah, so I was saying, if we're talking about the opening ceremony and the boycotting of that, I think Gary Lineker's comments and so some of a few other pundits regarding the closing ceremony about Lionel Messi being uh, sort of enthroned <laughs> in the bisht mm. by by the Emir of Qatar. I think they were far, far out of line, you know. A hundred percent, I completely agree with you. Right, as in, it it was it was one of the highest shows of respect and honor mm-hmm. that that a person from that part of the world can bestow on another person, mm-hmm. right? And the thing is, Messi knows as well as anyone else that that was an honorable thing to do, mm-hmm. because let's not forget the Qataris pay his bills at, at PSG as well, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. So I'm sure he's got a very long-standing <laughs> relationship with these people. He knows their culture, their customs, right? He can't, he can't not take a gift from his from his employers, right? <laughs> Absolutely, exactly. So it would be like, okay, Messi, see, see, yeah. see you. Your contract's terminated. There you go. Uh, no, exactly. And so he understood. The, the meaning and, and the sentiment behind this gesture and you could see as in this wasn't something he was trying to sort of walk away from when it was happening he he was there and he he accepted this this sort of gift from the emir right so i don't think these western pundits have a leg to stand on in terms of this sure that's not necessarily our culture or our custom here in the west but i'm sure we've got equivalents that potentially are not the same but we don't hear the uh, the rest of the world slagging it off do we no no, no, right. no. I mean, I mean, uh, yeah. It was terrible. Uh, the just the the comments made about that, just that he was accepting that robe as a as a gift and and uh, in honor. 
So yeah, uh, yeah no. I think it comes down to ignorance, and it's, it's ignorance. They, 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 they're not aware, and they thought that it was. They thought Qatar were trying to take the limelight there, and I don't think they were. I don't think they were doing that no. at all. And we know it. We know that actually. Yeah. It's not. For even if they were trying yeah. to take the limelight, they did, did take the limelight. <laughs> it was the best World Cup ever. <laughs> so you know, you, yeah. they can is, take the limelight if they want to. Yeah, the thing is, though, I think from broadcasting standards they should have done better right as in the public taxpayer we pay millions of pounds for people like Gary Lineker to, to, to make his comments mm. so I think he, he should have known better 100%. I think yeah no I agree last question on this topic of football we're half an hour in um, has the debate ended what what then <laughs> okay, come can, on there's one just, debate that uh, when no, we no, talk no, about no, football no. isn't it it's always going to be one debate is the goat has the goat been decided Okay, can we just come back? Uh, okay, fine. Okay, <laughs> we have to talk about this now, right? Let's, okay. let's make it quick, though. Can I just make a correction first? Yeah, Jesse, the uh, Owens, were, the salute, he was the gesture he was making, the picture I'm talking about. Actually, uh, we were talking about earlier the, the gesture he made at the after winning was in actually 1968 and not in the not in the Olympics in the 1930s. Just as a right. correction. Okay. okay, coming back to your point about who is the goat. Um, well, this is a team sport, and 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 I come back to that because yeah, I mean, I'm not, nothing to take away from any of these players, but um, he had a better team around him, Messi. didn't he? Messi, hundred percent, he had a better team around him, uh, but also I uh, I think that. In the lead up to this whole World Cup, uh, I think that um, perhaps just out, out of uh, away from football itself, uh, you know, Ronaldo just didn't make the the, the interview he made with Piers Morgan, mm. and then coming to the World Cup, not having a contract, not having a club to play with, then he's coming and then he, you know he's 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 almost finishing his career on a on a World Cup where you have a team which, you know, he knows. It, well, he was asked, you know, can you win the World Cup? He said it's very difficult. I mean, you know that mm. that Portugal team was nowhere near winning a World Cup. Uh, mm. They were not ready yeah. for winning a World Cup. Not after the, even though they won the Euros, yeah. but that team wasn't there. But uh, yeah, as a, as, a, as, a, as a takeaway, I don't know what your opinion about Messi is, but he, he was just phenomenal. I I don't want to go into who is the goat ever, but uh, obviously Messi has now got the World Cup, and uh, there that's the that's that's the highest uh, achievement after being having won the Ballon d'Or, I think seven times seven now. Times. So yeah, I mean yeah, I think I'll be honest, I'm not really a football person. The World Cup comes on, and I'll, I'll watch it, but I think following the news more than more than anything. Yeah, it's it's a it's a clear vote for for Messi. I think if you look at the character of the men, right, in terms of obviously the way Ronaldo's been with with his former club, sort of slagging people off here and there, right? <laughs> slagging people off. There, there are certain there's certain dirty laundry you don't air publicly, right? Mm. If you've got grievances, surely it's best to keep those in house. Discuss your grievances, do something about it. But I I think Ronaldo shot himself in the foot with, with the way he dealt with with his his issues at Manchester United, right? Um, uh, and obviously, it's it's the temperament of 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 each person, right? As in, you you see sort of this sort of how emotional Ronaldo gets when things don't go his way. And mm. sure, he he's a highly accomplished, highly decorated football player, and he's achieved a lot in his career. But the thing is, I think he's almost like a baby when you take the toys away from him. 
he goes a little bit silly. Whereas you see Messi, on yeah. the other hand, things were not always looking up for him in that finals match, right? But you never saw him lose his call with his team. If anything, mm. it, they just sort of dug down a little bit deeper and thought, you I know mean, what, we focus lose, yeah, yeah, I, I, I see, I see, I see that image and I see that from from a lot of people. But I think if you listen to the interview, just coming back to the interviews he made, uh, Ronaldo had with the Piers Morgan, he, he was actually not going. I don't think those were too, too like uh, criticizing as they could have been. I thought they were going to be more like really, really like. Uh, straight to the point stuff when I'm pointing to one and one player one and one person each individual person saying mm-hmm. this guy did that it wasn't like that but coming back to what, what um, if you watch the Netherlands game it was it, it was really interesting when 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 Messi when they won the world when they won that match when Messi won that uh, that match game for them I think um, that reaction from Messi towards uh, one Hall if you saw that uh, yeah. you would never say what you're saying today if, because yeah. th- because that reaction was exactly the reaction I think Ronaldo would also probably do yeah. because that was personal that reaction from Messi was personal to what to one Hall basically what happened was up to the game one Hall said to him uh, that who is I think he said something about Messi like you know is you know who, who, who I don't know he said something about Messi or some about the team and then Messi took. I, th- I think Messi took that personally. And then, and then in that game, that was a very heated game mm. when Netherlands, Argentina was two 0 up, um, and and uh, Netherlands came back two two. And then uh, I think did it go on penalties? He did go penalties. He did go on penalties. Yeah, the one yeah, they yeah. won on penalties. Martinez scored, uh, Ma- saved two. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that was a very heated game. So I think yeah, I, I see your point about uh, the different different players, but uh, I I I think that people sometimes take a, a mistake and think that Messi doesn't react he reacts he does, yeah. and he was angry uh, they've also they have been many stories as well of Messi reacting especially in 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 the in the locker rooms as well uh, and his behavior hasn't always been and also there was one interview that he did where he was actually quite rude to another player wasn't he like saying well, what are you looking at or something that was, was after saying. this game. That was, was after, after the, this game. After this Netherlands game, <coughs> in the, even in the interview, he said, "What are you looking at? Yeah, yeah, yeah like exactly. who are you? Like what are you looking at for me yeah. for? You know." And then Aguero <coughs> stepped in, and it was yeah. a whole like, uh, yeah. But anyway, it's a part of the parcel, I guess. It's just uh, I see your point, Nashwan, but I think it's yeah. Right, that was a long conversation. Long of conversation football, about football. An enjoyable, can we, can we enjoyable now, conversation. Please? Yeah, we will move on. Let's go for a very short break and we'll come back with some more news stories. Please stay with us. So, is the Ahmadiyya Khilafat a dictatorship? The simple answer is no, it is not a dictatorship. This question can be raised by two types of people. You've got one who are religious and those who are irreligious. If it's the religious people who are raising this question, then this question or this allegation simply backfires to any other prophet who ever existed and any of their successors because our system of Khilafat is no different to the divine leadership that they followed. When irreligious people ask this question, then it should be understood and it should be explained that when we talk about organized religion, unfortunately, there is this impression around the world that 
in an organized religion, you don't have the freedom to do what you want. You have to follow certain rules and regulations and um, you're, you're bound by a lot of uh, laws. And when a leader comes into the equation, it becomes even more, you know, uh, something to worry about. So to such irreligious people, it should be made clear that when we accept the Khalifa, we do so willingly. When we perform the pledge of obedience to the Khalifa al-Masih, we're not only pledging our obedience to Khalifa al-Masih, but in fact, it's actually pledging our obedience to God Almighty. And we do so willingly. There is no coercion and there cannot be any coercion in that sort of a pledge that you make. Now, another thing that needs to be borne in mind is that a dictator is someone whose say and want and desire, it goes without any question. No one can challenge it, no one questions it, and uh, people tend to accept it as it is. And the dictator does not allow anyone to give suggestions or proposals. But we see the Ahmadiyya Khilafat to follow the very basic Islamic injunction, which is to uh, consult them in important matters. Or the other in Quranic verse, which uh, says, that whose affairs are dealt with through mutual consultation. This verse is a description of the believers and we find that Hazrat Khalifa al-Masih, he consults various administrative bodies when making important decisions to do with the administration of the community or matters to do with faith itself. Now the Holy Quran is complete. The Islamic teachings are complete and perfect. They don't require any further addition. But the reason we have a Khilafat is because the implementation of Islamic teachings in every passing day requires some form of interpretation. So whether we're talking about the era of social media, the era of the internet, or the era that we uh, are experiencing nowadays, which is a global pandemic, we require some form of interpretation and direction in implementation. And that we get from the divinely guided leadership of Khalifa al-Masih. A dictator tends not to keep a close bond with their followers. They don't tend to keep a very close tie with their subjects. But the Khalifa al-Masih has a very close and personal relationship with each and every Ahmadi Muslim around the world. The Khalifa al-Masih writes to his followers. The Khalifa al-Masih meets with his followers almost on a daily basis. And this is something which the Khalifa does to ensure that his followers are well and that they're pursuing the highest goals possible in every sphere of life. So is the Ahmadiyya Khilafat a dictatorship? The answer is no, it is not a dictatorship. It is far from such a thing. The Ahmadiyya Khilafat is such a leadership which the world is very unfamiliar with because there is no equivalent that can be drawn or parallel that can be drawn to it in the world that we know today. But the Ahmadiyya Khilafat is something that the world is in desperate need of. Selections from the writings of the Promised Messiah, upon whom be peace, the founder of the Ahmadiyya movement in Islam. God is the light of the heavens and the earth. Every light that is seen, be it high or low, whether it belongs to souls or pertains to bodies, or be it substantive or attributive, whether hidden or evident, be it subjective or objective, it is a mere bounty of His grace. This is a sign which indicates that the bounties of Allah encompass everything. He is the source of all grace and is the ultimate cause of every light, the fountainhead of all mercies. His being is the support of the universe and is the refuge of all, high and low. He it is who brought everything out of the darkness of nothingness and bestowed upon everything the mantle of being. No being other than he exists by itself or is eternal. All other beings are recipients of his grace, earth and heaven, man and beast, stones and trees, souls and bodies. All are sustained by his grace.
Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum, may peace and blessings of God be upon you. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Live, right here on the Voice of Islam Radio. Um, just before the break, we were discussing quite heavily the World Cup um, in, in Qatar and. Uh, uh, the we had a very small discussion on the goat. I didn't come to my thoughts on it, and I rather not, to be honest, not now. Um, and the next story that I actually want to pick up on, uh, it, uh, and we have spoken about um, women's rights. What well, not women's rights, but we speak. We've spoken about how women have been treated uh, in Qatar, and we said they were very safe. But on the flip side. <clears throat> There's also been a story um, emerging in uh, Afghanistan uh, about the Taliban ruling that women are not allowed to be in higher education. Um, so there was a communication that got sent out from the education minister to uh, universities prohibiting uh, women from attending universities. So when women actually went to attend their lectures or go to university they were turned away and they were told that their accesses to university were also going to be banned um reading up on the article one i think uh there were some comments that stood out quite a bit but initially what are your guys thoughts i mean is this something that is uh it's not something that's very progressive and we kind of already know our viewpoints on um education within uh, educating women in Islam, we know is very important. But what are your initial thoughts about um, Afghanistan making a move like this? I'll come to you, Kudus. I, I I'm not surprised. Um, the sudden a change in regime after the U.S. troops left Afghanistan, all of mm. us in in a few, I think, days, and then Taliban taking over. And then, uh, and then, of course, deciding the the way they want to rule. Uh, I, I'm not surprised. It, it it hasn't it hadn't changed much in terms of um, the change. I think America or the Western troops wanted to, to see in Afghanistan. There was always this. Um, the Taliban rule simmering in the background. You, you like I think everyone sort of felt that there was always going to be as soon as they move out, there will be mm. some action. And 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 and, and now that they're, they're ruling that way, I mean, it's a sad, sad story in the sense that, yeah, I mean, they have taken this decision to for not allowing women to to for, to to higher education, which is, I mean, it's absolutely yeah, it's it's the last thing you know you want to hear and yeah. about this story and and uh, not I mean the not the last thing, but it's 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 a very uh, gray gray day when you hear these news stories and you just you like you kind of for me when I think about it, it's just why why, why did they go in there in the first place and and what changed over the years and. Uh, what was the purpose? Did they achieve achieve the objectives uh, they had set out when they first went into Afghanistan? Um, 
you know, is there more peaceful? Has was it more peaceful during the the time they were there? And 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 what have they done uh, to ensure that it wouldn't happen again? And mm. I feel now, when you hear these stories, uh, it means that we haven't achieved the objectives mm. which we went in there for. Because only uh, only only a few months later, we start hearing these new stories that yeah. you know it's back to back to what it was before. Yeah. So, but also for I mean, for 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 that government itself to try and implement a, a community or society that they believe is uh, Islamic, and um, you know, they, they, it, the comments that the um, acting higher education minister Nida Mohammed Nadim said, he 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 states, we told girls to have proper hijab, but they didn't, and they wore dresses like they are going to a wedding ceremony. And then he says, girls were studying agriculture and engineering, but this didn't match Afghan culture. Girls should learn, but not in areas that go against Islam and Afghan honor. Now, honor, Afghan honor is one thing, but to say that it goes against Islam, I think they should like they should check that because that is completely, completely wrong. And when we know from the um, sayings of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of God be upon him, uh, especially one uh, hadith, uh, one saying, which is from Sunan Ibn Majah, which is what we count as one of the authentic books of uh, sayings. The Holy Prophet say, states, it is the duty of every Muslim man and every Muslim woman to acquire knowledge. So clearly we know and we can see that um, a woman need to be educated and 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 they should be educated so for them to argue this i think is very backwards and uh it goes against what they are trying to implement which is an islamic society yeah and i think you guys have probably covered off mo- most of what we we were going to discuss on this one but yeah it is a sad and backwards step isn't it but perhaps it's worth considering the the issues here are so deeply ingrained in countries like Afghanistan right that it doesn't matter what the west wants to do i think the west ought to keep its nose out but really this is more an issue of over many generations in countries like this groups like the the taliban have have taken islamic teachings and cherry picked what suited them right now historically we know Many societies were and unfortunately perhaps still are patriarchies, right? Mm. Um, and so by cherry picking the verses and the sayings that suit their their sort of lifestyle that they want to live, they're, they're oppressing at least half of their population just like that. Mm. Um, and then obviously you've got things in some countries, things like caste systems, obviously that's mm. also a backward thing that goes against the, the, the principles of Islam. Yeah. Um, and so really perhaps it's worth reminding ourselves of what those true true instructions from the early days of Islam were in the Holy Quran from the sayings of the Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and really argue, argu- arguably this, this so-called fundamentalism we hear of in the news right Islamic fundamentalists they're not fundamentalists mm. they've cherry-picked the fundamentals are something completely different and far more mm. more open and, and uh, ever-reaching really to encompass all members of society mm. and and uh, yeah we can all we can probably talk all day about the benefits of uh, of including women in education in the workforce but mm. Yeah, that's probably another discussion. No, 100%. I think we could have a whole two-hour discussion on, on women in Islam and how um, 
empowering women <clears throat> is only beneficial for us and and for our for our future. But on this uh, topic of uh, educating women, I would like to play a clip from His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Masrur Ahmad, who is the fifth Khalif uh, and the leader of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community, worldwide leader of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community, and this is an excerpt uh, or an extract. From uh, an address he gave at a Wakfanor, Ishtama Wakfanor, are the children whose parents have dedicated their lives to the service of humanity and Islam. So, this is an extract from uh, one of his addresses to girls um, at an event. Uh, Let's hear what His Holiness has to say. Islam does not forbid anyone from attaining an education. As I said before, the Jamaat has a great need for doctors, teachers, translators, language experts, and also those trained in various other fields. Naturally, this standard can only be acquired by attaining an education. However, when acquiring this education, we would also have to uphold our moral standard and maintain our limits. Certainly, Islam says that no Muslim man or woman should remain ignorant. Rather, they should indeed attain education. This is why the Holy Prophet gave special attention and consideration to women's education. Drawing attention to women's education, the Holy Prophet also said that half of the religion should be uh, learned from Aisha. Here, the Holy Prophet has not stated for women alone to acquire this education from Aisha, Hazrat Aisha. But rather, he has given advice in general to attain knowledge of half of the religion from her. Hence, at times, Hazrat Aisha would even take classes from behind the curtain and she would impart her knowledge and teachings at, get, um, at gatherings which men would also attend. <clears throat> and so this makes it very clear that in this spread of knowledge, Islam has not discriminated between men and women and thus to acquire and convey knowledge in the, uh, is the obligation of every Muslim. For a believing woman, it is important to acquire wisdom, implement and convey it, and especially use it for the training of her children. Indeed, the Holy Prophet said that you should train your children in the best possible manner. Further, the Holy Prophet also said that wisdom is like the lost belonging of a believer. Wherever it is found, 
he or she should grab hold of it. Hence, our women and girls, and in particular, the Vakfatinaw, should attain the highest standard of education, and then they should strive to use that knowledge to give benefit to the world. It is also a favor of Allah on the Jamaat that through the blessings of Khilafat, he established an organization for the training of women, which gives them the opportunity to hold events and programs freely and conveniently. These programs are not only for raising, uh, for, for uh, training in religious education, but also to improve physical health, to help serve humanity as well as for other activities. So that was His Holiness there, Hazrat Mirza Musrur Ahmed, um, highlighting how important education actually is uh, for not just for men but also for women. Um, there's also another extract that I have here that I'll just quickly read out, and this was from uh, an address to ladies at the uh, annual convention in Germany uh, in 2016. And His Holiness says, Although Islam says that there is a difference in the physical makeup of men and women and also in their responsibilities, in terms of intellect, just as man has been given inte- intelligence, women too have been given intelligence. Just as men have, has, just as men have been com- commanded to acquire education, women have also been commanded to educate themselves. As such, Allah the Almighty has granted equal capabilities and means for both men and women to progress and advance. He has granted them both intellect so that they utilize their wisdom and activate their mental faculties and strive to excel one another. Men cannot claim that they have exclusively been granted intelligence and only they can utilize it to advance. Nor can a woman profess that only she has been given into intellect and she alone can progress with it. Allah the Almighty has, been, has given a mind, brain, wisdom and knowledge to both men and women to procure knowledge and insight. No man can say that a woman's intellect has reached a peak beyond which she cannot progress and that only men can develop their intellect beyond a certain degree. Similarly, language and the ability to speak have been given to both men and women. If men can become great orators and have the potential to demonstrate such abilities, then women too can become just as good orators, and they are. So I think it's quite clear. <laughs> I mean, that kind of like sums up um, the fact that what the Taliban are doing in Afghanistan is wholly against um, the Islamic teachings and um, the principles that it should be standing by but instead it's um, you know going against the the woman's rights to education but also I think this will just kind of dampen and uh, send their state and their community backwards because a woman without education is 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 difficult for them to 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 kind of instill good qualities and behaviors and education in the, in in their children so uh, yeah, let's just hope and pray that uh, the the people of Afghanistan take heed and that um, they can uh, progress their community rather than sending them backwards and that they give full rights to the members of their society, inshallah, God willing. You had one last story, Nosh, I think you did. That we will. Yeah, so 
Yeah, we'll keep it quick because I think our listeners are probably a little bit sick of hearing all the doom and gloom <laughs> on every other channel that they switch to these days. But I think, yeah, everyone is aware that there is a, a sense of discontent in this country at the moment. Um, we've got striking workers across multiple industries. We've got rail workers on strike. We've even got the nurses on strike for the first time. Um, I know earlier in the year we had uh, junior lawyers going on strike. Um and so, yeah, we can see that clearly there there are some fundamental infrastructure issues with, within our economy. Um, but, yeah, that I guess for our listeners today, we're not going to discuss the ins and outs of it, but more a case of what that means for you. Um, so train uh, services are finishing at 3 p.m. today. So uh, if anyone needs to travel, they are recommended to do so basically now. Stop <laughs> listening to us and get on a train and then put us back on as soon as you sit down. Um <clears throat> but but for those of you not using the trains, do expect additional traffic on the roads. Um, sort of uh, uh, national highways is is expecting the peak of traffic to be around one o'clock today. Sixteen point six million people on the roads, so that will wow. be the second highest amount of traffic for the year. The highest being yesterday at about five p.m. Um, so yeah, it hasn't really got any better. I've got to pick my brother up from his university town this evening, so I think I'm going to get going. Well, now, now, to, to get, just to do the fifty-seven Season. miles out to get him, right? Because <laughs> I think it's going to take me probably about three hours to get there at this rate. Mm. Um, but yeah, so so do be careful on the roads. Obviously, the weather has been uh, on and off. Um, there have been a number of crashes, which obviously are exasperating the problem. So surely it's better to get there late rather than not at all. Yeah. Um, Additionally, we've got uh, news that that His Majesty the King is donating donations that were were given in, in honour of his late mother, the Queen, uh, off to a fuel bill charity to support those on on the uh, lower end of of the socio-economic scales. So, so these uh, funds are being used to 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 support people in paying their their heating and electric bills, which I think is a very good gesture. What what do you think, guys? Cause no, hundred percent. I think is is great for. Um for for the royal family to show support i mean yeah. it's something that um i think will hopefully turn around some sentiments that some members of the society have regarding the 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 royal family they're always well not always but there are some people in the in in, in society in the community that think that um they're just hogging funds and they're, they're just yeah. there for nothing but then yeah, a move like this will kind of show that we're, we're, we're doing what we can to, to help out exactly and i think given given their the role uh, uh in, in our society they're not allowed to make any political comments so mm. this is probably as close to a political statement as uh, as the royals are ever allowed to to, yeah. to make but i think in this time when they see millions of people across their country are, are indeed suffering due to the cost of living mm. i think it's a very good gesture an olive branch if you like to say yeah we un- we, we don't necessarily relate but we, we, <laughs> we, we want to do what we can to, to support you in some way yeah his first um message as in his first uh speech a Christmas message will be taking place today and broadcasted at 3 p.m. 3 p.m. GMT time, mm. uh, which will be the first one, first Christmas me- message as um, king. as King, mm. His Majesty, uh, at in St. George's Chapel, Windsor. Okay. 
Yeah, so um, on the other points that you mentioned, there are strikes taking place. And as you rightly mentioned, we, we do hope that everyone does stay safe. Uh, there were the um, ambulance strikes as well. That uh, No, paramedic strike, right? Yeah, yes, yeah, so nurses. nurses. Nurses and paramedics as yeah, well. And did, did they call their one off, actually? I think they called an additional one off, but they've booked some new ones in for January. So Booked them in. <laughs> 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 but yeah, so I think... Yeah. Um, again, like we said, we don't want to necessarily talk about the politics too much of, of why these people are going on strike. I'm sure you're all aware mm. of what, why that is, and I'm sure our listeners all have their opinions on that. Um, but yeah, we, we just hope, obviously, everyone gets uh, a, a fair a fair share of, of what they're worth, and, and obviously the disruption ca- can be brought to an end as soon as possible. Definitely. Uh, let's quickly go to the news, after which we'll continue our conversation. Please do stay with us. You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum, may peace and blessings of God be upon you. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Live right here on the Voice of Islam Radio. We are in the second hour now and uh, we didn't mention before but the conversation is very interactive. We hope to make it interactive so please do get in touch with us on 0208687 or you can tweet us at Voice of Islam UK. Um, do uh, give us a call or tweet us, let us know your thoughts on the conversation. Um, the second part of today's show will be regarding Christmas and the New Year festivities and how it's celebrated, what Islam's do, what Islam teaches about uh, these celebrations, what Muslims do to celebrate and how we individually spend our time during the, during this festive season, I guess. But just before we go on to that topic, there was a news story actually that I wanted to kind of blend this um, topic into. And the story was actually about, um, ethn- so the, 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 the headline reads, ethnically diverse Christmas decorations help conversations about race and color. So there's a mother uh, in South London who uh, created angels um, on the Christmas tree uh, and gave them uh, uh, color basically so they're, they're brown and black uh, angels and characters from the Christmas story or the nativity story and it all stemmed from her seven year old daughter asking can Christmas angels have brown skin uh, so it's a, it's a great question to ask um, it's an innocent question to ask um, but also th- what this kind of uh, highlighted to me was how uh, I guess ignorant is a, a word that we could potentially use of uh, of the history of of Christianity and where it originated from. And we know uh, that Christianity originates from the Middle East uh, and and from Jerusalem and Bethlehem, which are areas within uh, uh, present day uh, Palestine or Israel. And um, if you are from that area, you would have most likely have been of darker skin. You wouldn't have been um, as Jesus is portrayed now, blonde hair, blue eyes. You would have most likely have been uh, of, of darker skin uh, with dark hair. And uh, yeah, I just thought it was an interesting um 
question that the young girl asked, but then also a, a positive step forward that the, the mother um, made by um, painting some of the characters from the story uh, darker-skinned. Um, but on this topic, I will go around the table and ask, what do we do during the festive, festive season? We are Muslims, obviously, and we do hope that our Christian brothers and sisters are enjoying the festive season and they're, they're spending uh, a joyous time with their family and friends and loved ones. But let's have a, like, we'll talk about some of the facts later. But for us, as Muslims, obviously, we, we it's not part of our celebration list. <laughs> but what do we do? Uh, I'll come to you first. Who shall I choose? I'll come to you, Nash. Yeah, so uh, for us, uh, we, we usually have a get-together with the family. So I think uh, it's not really a Christmas celebration. As as we were discussing in the break, it's more a celebration of bank holidays. <laughs> yeah. Um, just getting all, all the people in the extended family together obviously everyone's got time off from work it's the end of the end of the year so obviously kids the cousins they all get together um and yeah it's just about spending time with your family isn't it um getting a chance to sort of share a meal have a bit of a good time um yeah. to be fair throughout the year everyone's obviously busy with their with their different schedules whether that be work school education whatever it might be um this is one of the few times of the year where where everyone almost always has 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 some time off at the same time uh so so yeah that's what we do and then i guess boxing day go out maybe to be fair i think most people this year just window are, shopping window shopping yeah um and and to be fair it's like well if you need something and you're like well it's the first of december you're like i, I think i can wait 25 days <laughs> and i just buy it for half price yeah. at the end of december instead so i think i was looking for a jumper at the beginning of the month and i was like well I've got a few other jumpers, I'll wear those. I'll mm. buy it for half price in a few weeks' time. So that's what I'll be doing on Monday. <laughs> so no Christmas crackers around the table? No, no, nothing like that. No. To be fair, we've never done a turkey. I think this year we're doing a shoulder of lamb. So <laughs> shoulder of lamb, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's not bad. That's nice. What about you, Kudus? How do you spend your Christmas? Uh, usually we get the uh, same. Uh, it's a very good excuse because everyone usually is off yeah. and uh, get the family together. Yeah. in one place have uh, a nice dinner uh, nice conversations good to see the family again yeah nice and quiet yeah but at the same time very loud <laughs> <laughs> I think it is it's, it's, a, it's a great convenience for, for those people that don't celebrate Christmas to also uh, enjoy their time enjoy the the bank holidays as you said Nosh, uh, uh, because basically everyone's off children are off um, you most likely aren't working unless you're in the emergency services or working in hospitals etc but um, yeah uh, we don't always do the same but I think it's something that we we have done before people just will we'll come together we'll have some food um, we haven't had Christmas turkey before but we wouldn't mind a turkey um, but other than that, yeah, I think what we have done quite frequently is go to see the lights in Central. Um, I haven't done it the last couple of years, maybe because of lockdown. Actually, yeah, most definitely because of lockdown. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> you could be ten, <laughs> fine ten thousand pounds. So yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, that was one thing that we we had uh, done quite quite frequently, and actually we're looking to do. Sunday evening as well actually um, take the family go central no you less charge 
There's no congestion charge. No congestion either, charge. So, yeah. So yeah. yeah. Is there no ULEZ either? No ULEZ either. On Christmas Day is the only day in the year. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, so you can take a tank packed. or whatever you like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah fully. <laughs> I um, wa- I once a few years ago actually cycled through central London on Christmas night. Wow. That was quite a good experience actually. Must there, be a ghost town. Yeah, it was a ghost yeah, town, yeah, and yeah, I cycled yeah, straight, and then I cycled straight down Oxford Street, which was the busiest place I've ever seen in London ever. Yeah. Because it was the only place that was open, including all the places you can eat. They're all open Christmas Day on box uh, uh, on Christmas Day uh, yeah. towards the evening. I think they have a shutdown early in the day so the workers can spend time with their families. Yeah. And then places like McDonald's are back open, and you see all the tourists and all the locals sort of just <laughs> queuing up <laughs> out the corner. Yeah. Um, Edgar Road, I think, is also quite open, uh, quite active as well. Yeah, again, they're Muslim, so they don't <laughs> usually celebrate Christmas. Yeah. I think, yeah, all the all the restaurants and and such are open. But yeah, no, if if anyone's a cyclist. Mm. do that on Christmas Day it's quite good fun actually yeah. just make sure you've got supplies for a puncture repair because no one's going to fix fix it for you no emergency services no. ah yeah <laughs> puncture repair yeah. and there's no me. trains to take the easy way out and well taxis will be uh, extortionate so yeah be prepared and there'll be glass everywhere on the side roads if you're cycling so yeah, yeah. anyway just uh, so nut. on this uh, on whether so one of the questions I actually want to ask on um in this hour was whether Muslims can celebrate Christmas or not and, and how we should celebrate if we can celebrate or if we can't then what can we do how do we obviously one of one of the prerequisites of being a Muslim is to love your neighbour and to, to support your neighbour but then how can we support our neighbours if we, we don't um, kind of get involved with their traditions or their celebrations um, so just on this question uh, I do have a clip here from the fourth caliph of the Ahmadi Muslim community Hazrat uh, Zahir Ahmad may Allah have mercy on him uh, answering a question uh, regarding Christmas. So let's have a quick listen to that. Why don't we celebrate Christmas? Well, because you can't celebrate the days uh, of every religion. You follow Islam, so you follow the days of Islam to be celebrated. Otherwise, it will be impossible for you to cope with the celebrations of all the religions of the world. Why not holy of Hindus and so are so many other uh, traditional days of celebration of other religions. So because we belong to Islam and because Christmas is a religious celebration, not just an ordinary celebration, so we don't participate in that. But we are not too narrow-minded. If they are Christian friends, we do send them presents and there is no harm in it. If they invite us to a, a bite of turkey, there's no harm in, in eating of, of the turkey or sharing their Christmas cake or even presenting some some gift to some Christian friend. There's no harm in such things. But it being a religious affair, as such you should not celebrate it because you, your religion is not Christianity, it is Islam. Got it? Good. You see, there was one young boy here in England who, when I came here, after two years perhaps, there was Christmas, and just by way of joking, I asked him, did you also celebrate Christmas? The answer was a positive yes, we did. I said, how? The rest of the joke has to be sp- told in Urdu. Because otherwise in English it will lose its meaning and charm. So I said, Tumne kis Christmas manai? 
उन्होंने कहा कि मेरी उम्मी की दोस्त ने दो बच्चे दिए थे <laughs> तो उनको खाने पर बुला लिया था यू नो दिस कान बी ट्रांसलेटेड इन इंग्लिश दो बच्चे दिए थे सो सम अहमदी बॉयज एंड फैमिलीज हैव बीन सेलिब्रेटिंग शॉर्ट ऑफ क्रिसमस ऑफकोर्स So that was His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Tahir Ahmed, may Allah have mercy on him, answering a question from a young child of why we cannot celebrate Christmas. And actually, um, Hazrat Mirza Tahir Ahmed, may Allah have mercy on him, actually mentioned that we don't have to, you know, believe in um, what well, we don't. We don't believe in 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 celebrating Christmas, but there is no harm in giving gifts or. you know spreading spreading good wishes basically uh with us on this uh topic we do have a caller uh, shams najam assalam alaikum shams may peace be upon you upon uh, you shams you uh i'm hoping work right so you you're yeah. you're in a profession um so a couple questions i want to ask firstly how do you handle christmas in the workplace so in your in your in your day to day job when it comes up what do you do how do you respond um talam guys uh thanks for me i think um so uh yeah so a little bit little bit difficult for me to answer that question actually because the, the, there's two workplaces and I'm, and I'll go through both of them I suppose with with um so I work in sort of the financial sector um there are sort of you, you know you do have sort of team lunches and um there are sort of sometimes parties organized and and I, I think it's perfectly fine to just refuse uh to attend um these parties i mean if it's if it's a team lunch here and there sort of I'll attend but i mean sometimes you know in the work people do tend to get dressed up and and they want to have their christmas parties and and wear the christmas hats but personally you know i i just refuse to do that respectfully um and actually i say i refuse to do that i've i've never i've never felt i've never felt the pressure to do that either i've never felt pressurized i've never felt um like i stand out if i don't do that it's kind of like a i don't know maybe it's just the workplace i mean it's quite it's quite a nice culture so you, there, there's no pressure to do that but of course um christmas in in sort of the country we live in is, is a very special time and you have to sort of uh understand the sentiments and understand um that this period is is one which does does bring joy and 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 to be honest living and growing up in this country that period of december and you you will probably agree is a period where at work things start to calm down people are happier you know they're planning for christmas and and, Don't get and it work does, done. well yeah i mean that's the whole year round but speak for yourself <laughs> it, it does bring this it does bring this air of um sort of warmth yeah for honest um and 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 that's due to the fact that it's end of year you've had a you've had a hard hard year but you can't deny it's also due to the fact that there is this disrespective period coming up right so so i guess yeah i guess it's just about understanding where where your beliefs lie and 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 to what extent you can accept um accept that i think i suppose on the other side is is um where we have staff um in sort of a care home that 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 we run in 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 that sort of situation for me i won't be the one that's stopping sort of our staff and they're enjoying you know a period which they find quite special and and we look after kids that come from sort of vulnerable backgrounds um and and for them especially 
this period one can be quite quite a difficult period um, because because of the uh, association of Christmas with you know um, family ties and and relationship. Some of these kids don't have that, so um, our staff will do make a big effort um, and, and and they'll put up the Christmas tree and and they'll bring gifts and they'll do that and. It's not for us to turn around and say, don't do that, because they're the ones living in this home and, and the staff are the ones, um, again, who celebrate this. So it's about accepting other people's cultures and religions and differences and allowing them um, to, to sort of celebrate as they, as they see fit. And, and for us, you know, we, we, we do wish that they enjoy uh, as they can. And, and again, as I said with, previously, it's down to us how much we get involved with that. I think that's actually a great contrast you've given, uh, and I think is 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 one of the beauties of Islam that allows us to um, be that inclusive, and also a, a great commendation on your part actually to to provide that for the young children who uh, I think it would be a very difficult time for, um, especially given their vulnerable backgrounds. But also a, a great effort on your part to ensure that they're not being excluded from the festivities. Um, so well done on that. Uh, just another question, though. Uh, I understand you have children as well. How do you handle Christmas for them? Because uh, one of the things for me personally, when we are there's a Christmas jumper day thing that goes around in some workplaces. I personally yeah. refuse it. I mean, it's, I say refuse again. I'm not being forced to wear it, um, but yeah. sometimes it does come. It does feel like there's a little bit of pressure in terms of everyone's being asked to come in on the, with, with the Christmas jumpers. I've never worn a Christmas jumper. Not that I have anything aggress- against Christmas jumpers. I just uh, feel that you know it wouldn't really make sense for me to wear one. Um, so in that same sense children yeah. I know also um, are not forced to but it's it, as you mentioned it's a big part of UK culture uh, to yeah. get enjoy to, to join in with the festivities of Christmas and, and the, the, the nativity play is something as well that young children are to take part in you with your children how do you have you had the chance yet to explain to them about Christmas or uh, is that something that you, you, you purposely no. picked me to answer this because you know how I feel about it. Um, so, so I think I think for me, this is a very. It, it may seem like um, you know quite quite a light issue, but actually, this is a very very deep deep issue, which has uh, I believe consequences um, for our children growing up. Now, again, you have to be respectful to the country and culture that we're we're in, and. And to a certain degree, you have to accept it. I don't, uh, you know, if 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 the nursery or or the plague, uh, yeah, if the nursery say, you know, we're having a Christmas day, please send your children in in certain colours. I don't personally uh, abide by that. Um, and one of the reasons why I don't do that is because I feel like I feel like I want my children to understand where moments in this sort of in, in their upbringing in this culture they're going to find um, uh, areas to sort of feel the same as everyone else but I also feel like they, they need to find they need to understand those moments where they're different and I think that's one of the moments where they where, where we are different and I don't want to create this identity crisis within my children and I feel like it will I feel like if if our children accept I'm not, I'm not saying they shouldn't accept it what I'm saying if they if they are open to celebrating all other religion, uh, or at least all other religious um, fest- festivals, 
for me personally, this doesn't fall under a religious bracket as it is. It's more of a cultural thing. But I want them to understand why we don't sort of celebrate this and why we're different. And that's not to say show disrespect to any celebrations. They're there. They're still in school. They'll, they'll, they'll be involved in as much as they need to be involved in. But there's areas where they need to understand that they're different. And so we don't get involved in where in nursery it's wearing these clothes. In, in the workplace, it's going out and drinking alcohol and it's going out and celebrating it in a different fashion. So regardless of how they're celebrating it, the children do, I feel, need to understand from a very, very young age. And, and, I, and, I, and it's something that I've spoken to nursery about as well. Like last year, I think my, my son, so, some, so my son will come home and he'll sing Christmas carols. And, and it's because, you know, they're, they're, they're singing those in school. But my only thing is, that's fine, but you need to understand the religion that you're going to be brought up in and, and, and the, the sort of culture and the, the way your life is meant to be is different to that. And so I have actually even mentioned that actually if there's an, under, if there's an acceptance of one religious festival in, in, in the nursery, there should be at least some sort of acceptance of other religious festivals in, in, in within that sort of setting. And I think that's sort of my take on that. But yeah, I think I'm, I'm in line with you where I don't necessarily follow along with, with the dressing up and, and, and the celebrations. I think that's a very good point that actually you made that um, if, if there's a celebration of one religious festival then there should be um, it, it should be all inclusive and they should be putting the same amount of or similar amount of effort for other celebrations as well and I, I also I kind of understand your your point as well that it is um, it's important for the children to understand what religion they're part of and you don't want them to grow up with any issues in, in understanding their identity. But also I think yeah. it, it could be a kind of like a fine line between marginalising them amongst their peers uh, yeah. and at the same time ensuring that they have a well-grounded identity. Um, so yeah, thank you for that Shams. I really appreciate your comments today uh, and your insight and uh, we wish you well and have a good day. Thank you. Some important points they actually raised, and I think specifically mentioned about, um, as we mentioned, the identity thing. Now, um, I think most of us here, we've been raised in the West, we know that uh, Christmas is is a massive part of not just UK culture, but European culture. And um, yes, we can question the validity of the actual celebration, but um, we still do need to be respectful of, uh, of of the celebration, and we at the same time need to be mindful of how we incorporate that into our own lives. So, where Shams has mentioned that he's trying to uh, highlight to his children that he uh, that his children are Muslim. At the same time, we, as I mentioned, there there, there could be a fine line. We 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 don't want our children or our youngsters to feel marginalised as well. Those have come to you. How how do you balance that as a family man, as a father? How do you balance that with your children? Uh, I just just uh, coming. I mean, coming to the point which Shams was making was um, about. I mean, understanding why. So so this conversation I have with my daughter is, do you know why why they're celebrating Christmas? Mm. And she doesn't know because they haven't. They might have told her, but she doesn't remember. And and most of the kids don't remember. Mm. And whilst they're growing up, uh, that there there's so many people in the world who don't know 
why why Christmas is celebrated. Mm. In fact, most of the scholars in the world don't agree that that's the birth that's the birth date of 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 Jesus Christ. Yeah. So actually, Jesus. Christmas is actually the celebration of yeah, yeah or is meant to be the celebration. It's meant to be the celebration of of Jesus, of Jesus yeah. for Prophet Jesus. Peace be upon him. Yeah. Peace be upon him. And um, so so that that was just a date chosen by by the church mm-hmm. uh, that that's the date. And and most scholars don't agree to that. So, mm. so coming back to the point in terms of how you balance that, I think it's important to, for us as Muslims, uh, and 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 we are time and time again told, yeah, you know, you you, you should question your faith. Uh, I mean, you should learn, question, mm-hmm. educate yourself, know what the factual, know the facts, mm-hmm. um, and don't believe in just for the sake of believing in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, ponder upon what the teachings are. Yeah, just on that as well, it's something that I learned last week that Islam actually enforces us to use our knowledge and to use our wisdom. And on the other side, actually, we are actually told that there could be a punishment if you don't use your wisdom and if you don't use your knowledge. So we're actually told very kind of strictly to make sure you use the senses that God and the faculties that God has provided you with. So to use your logic, use your sense, use your wisdom. He's yeah, crying. absolutely, uh, and that comes back to what I was saying in terms of uh, balancing the balancing act. But for me, it's important for the children to to know the factual background. Um, obviously, well, as they grow up, then they, they can do their own research. But as as parents, it's important for them to un- make them understand, or at least tell them that you know, uh, yes, it is a celebrated. Uh, time, but why? Why? What the real? What the real education our teaching is, and 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 that most of the people don't even know that this is the why they're celebrating, and 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 the fact that you know people scholars don't actually agree that, that this is the date. Um, but I, I think another point Shams was making was the identity point in terms of accepting culture, the culture we live in, or to some extent accepting it. Uh, but also knowing what your culture is, because I think that's the difficulty sometimes, which uh, many parents or people face, uh, who, for example, don't have, or or want to want to do want their children children to grow up in a culture environment where, for example, from a Christ, uh, from a Hindu background or a Muslim background or Jewish background. So I think. Uh, that's important for for the for, for them to give uh give them the core stability from the beginning mm-hmm. and 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 have conversations with them whilst you're growing up um because i mean we um i mean it's, time is quite different now because when we were growing up we didn't have this thing called mobile phone so accessible mm-hmm. i mean we had it but we were uh, it, when we were like teenagers, I think most of us were probably, I don't know, maybe Noshuan is probably. For me, that was last week. Wasn't <laughs> no, it? Last week. <laughs> it was teenager last week. There you go. So, uh, you know, the accessibility of misinformation out there yeah. uh, is dangerous. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, education is so key. And uh, knowing who you are, mm-hmm. uh, knowing who your parents are, mm-hmm. knowing what background culture we're living in, and why we're living this way, yeah. you know? Yeah. And. Just that, why why we're living this? Why are you doing this? Um, it's so important to know the why. Yeah, no, and I think 
couple of good points from from what you you both have mentioned um but sort of building on that is uh i recall uh, i've read uh, of an incident from the the life of the holy prophet muhammad peace and blessings be upon him um and it was that there was a group of christians who were traveling uh through the lands where the muslims were um and they approached the the muslims and they said uh, we are christians and we're looking for a place to pray so the muslims opened up and offered their mosques mm-hmm. to them and uh, not only did they do this they they stood outside as guard so that these people could go in offer their prayers in peace and safety mm-hmm. before continuing with their travel mm-hmm. and i think the lesson from that really is that as muslims we are not christians we are not jews we are not hindus we are not sikhs but what we are are uh, is accepting of everyone else's beliefs and religions mm-hmm. and supporting of that in in whatever way we can be so mm-hmm. in the same way that those christians uh, at that time were given a safe uh, place to pray uh, i think it's incumbent upon us for those who are uh, following other other rituals and other uh, other religious beliefs to support them to wish them well um uh, i don't know about you guys but we typically give out gifts to our neighbors and and to to be fair they usually give us something where when they know we're celebrating eid so it's very much a two way street yeah um <coughs> but the other thing uh, i think kadus uh, you were starting to touch upon about knowing who you are i think extends not just from the religious and and belief point of view but in this day and age of social media the lo- there's a lot of the haves and have nots and sort of there's a lot of pressure i think on parents to be buying increasingly expensive gifts for their children because they know all the children are comparing who got the best thing when they go back to school in january mm. um and there was a story uh, i was reading last week saying the average cost of of christmas is 580 pound per head wow in the uk supposedly between gifts food travelling whatever people incur expenses for um it's an outrageous sum of money people are literally going into debt taking out loans so they can put up a an extravagant feast they can buy their children perhaps a games console or a new mobile phone or whatever it might be mm-hmm. um and for some people if you've got the means fair enough but there's a lot of pe- people who perhaps don't have the means and and it's there's an almost a social pressure now that that we've got to keep up with the joneses because uh, Jimmy next door is getting a phone from his parents so we've got to get our kid a phone as well um and that that probably is n- not healthy from a social perspective either um so yeah probably very important to 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 remember who you are um so not just from a perspective of of that because i know when we were growing up we we weren't particularly wealthy people so for us it was more about spending time together for, in terms of for Eid right as in the the, the celebration where as muslims we typically share presents with each other it's more about spending time with each other and and mm. actually you got something but you realize actually there's some there's a lot of meaning attached to whatever gift you gave mm. or you you got whereas perhaps i guess we've been very fortunate obviously things can improve and sometimes you're like well this costs a lot more than it thing maybe a few years ago might have mm. cost but but all of a sudden it becomes less less personal if you like so perhaps perhaps some people are missing the point of or of a of a celebration in the yeah. first place i think that point you mentioned about um it costing on average 580 pound per head especially given i mean that figure in today's economic climate it sounds very scary 
and 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 I think you're right in in the sense that there would be a, a social pressure from people around to say that oh yeah the individual next door has got their child this we need to also get our child something and and potentially you can have people taking out loans and put themselves in debt to to provide for that and then also on top of that it then kind of begs the question has christmas now distanced itself from being a religious festival and more now just a commercial celebration and and something i was thinking about thinking about this morning was i i swear it was literally as soon as halloween ended uh, in october i swear it was maybe the next day or two days later i, I saw christmas stock now in in tesco yeah sorry can i just cut in the average spend wasn't 500 and something it was 642 pounds oh, wow. per person doesn't make any better no but <laughs> it's, even, it's even more <laughs> yeah. it made it worse yeah but yeah i was coming back to so that again just highlights how much i don't know i feel like it's 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 so commercialized this religious or well, so-called religious well we, let's not say so-called it's a religious festival still for a lot of people uh, and then we know that some people do stu- still do go to um church and 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 try to celebrate it in 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 a spiritual way and in the best way that they feel that they should be but on top of that we, I, I i can't help but not see the commercial side to it as i mentioned i, I honest to god i remember as there's always one particular aisle in, in Tesco where the it's like a seasonal aisle and then uh, I remember as soon as Halloween ended there was Christmas stock up uh, supermarkets love a seasonal aisle <laughs> have you not noticed the Ramadan <laughs> aisle and the Eid yeah, aisle exactly <laughs> exactly so th- th- that for me I'm just thinking like, oct- oct- we're literally just coming to November now and uh, you're trying to um, like pressure people into uh, buying and spending for christmas already is that something that you think is possible is is it such a is it like a commercial opportunity for a lot of people yeah i mean we we can go back into the financial side if you like but it's sort of following that as in think of all those catalogs what is it very and little woods and whatever yeah. it is right and they've all got these buy now and pay over 12 months so that you can pay off this year's presents by christmas next year <laughs> and then just rinse and repeat isn't yeah. it <laughs> And it's just a cycle people get into. And mm. it was like, it's all very well and good. But the thing is, do you really think that, that your kid is going to remember that, that you got the Xbox for, for, for Christmas by, by the time July rolls around? No, yeah. the kid's just like, it's my Xbox. They've got no affiliation. It's not special, right? Mm-hmm. As in, I think the best gifts sometimes are, are those that actually have some thought and meaning put behind them. They don't have to be the most significant thing, right? But in yeah. our house, we do sort of an end of year gift exchange thing just as a bit of fun right um secret santa if you like uh, and and again the whole idea is you you pick a really really modest budget right yeah. and and you you get to actually then think about what does this person need yeah what does this person want right uh i'm not saying on air who i've got because i'm sure my siblings and my parents are listening i don't want to mm. give away <laughs> the game just yet um but but yeah it's a case of you actually have to think about what that person would would value and cherish so i know what i got last year was yeah. was a t-shirt and uh, and a scarf but it was a really nice t-shirt and a really nice scarf and yeah. it was from my, my little sister who was 11 so i was like mm. that was very well thought out mm-hmm. um it's it's very much a case of i think sometimes we go big and then we sort of forget the value of things yeah 
behind it as well. You know, there's a point actually you could just mentioned earlier about the why, and this is something I was thinking about a couple of years ago. And, it, and what I was thinking about was the wisdom behind Islam, and how there's wisdom behind everything that Islam teaches, and also in that same way how we're told to behave. There's wisdom behind that. So one of the things that we are told as Muslims is to not celebrate birthdays. Now this is something um, that you know we, we don't celebrate any of the of the prophets of the prophets' birthdays. And if if Muslims were to celebrate Christmas, then in that same sense, why don't we then celebrate uh, the the birth of um, Hazrat Muhammad? Um, may peace and blessings of God be upon him. Now, uh, it, me just thinking about it, I was thinking, okay, so we're told not to celebrate Christmas. We're not told. We're, we're told not to celebrate birthdays. Uh, what could the potential circumstances or, or the repercussions of celebrating birthdays lead to? And you know, now we know that historians have called um, Christmas a pagan holiday. N- now, could it be that the reason why we're told to refrain from birthdays is to distance ourselves from paganism and to 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 stop ourselves from falling into habits that can lead us away from God. Uh, personally, that's what I believe, and and I think um, it's again it's one of the beauties of Islam. And uh, I have some quotes here from uh, the fourth caliph, Hazrat Zahir Ahmed, who we had her- heard earlier answering the question. But in regards to birthdays, and obviously we know that Christmas is a birthday is a celebration of the supposed birthday of Jesus Christ of the Isa. May peace and may peace be upon him. So, Hazrat uh, Zahir Ahmed, the fourth caliph of the Ahmadi Muslim community, states, Birthdays are not an Islamic tradition in themselves. In the early centuries of light, when Islam was pure, when Islam was all that it was created for, nobody ever held birthdays in memory of anyone else. For instance, Hazrat Muhammad's birthday, was, who was the founder of Islam, was never celebrated by his followers, by the followers of his followers, by the followers who followed in the generations thereafter. It's a Western concept wedded to Islam and unfortunately in the Western traditions these are just celebrations creating irresponsibility rather than rather than responsibility sometimes they create disorder sometimes they create disturbances of peace and this is from a question and answer session recorded on the 25th of November in 1984 so uh, yeah it just goes back to my point that I, I believe that every action that Islam teaches has wisdom behind it literally i that personally is something i believe and i, I, I think uh, uh, and it's it's not hard to see in every action that we're told to do I, I believe that there's wisdom behind it that is that is only beneficial not just for us but also for for uh, uh, the community at whole to help us with this conversation uh, we do have imam tahir khalid on the line uh, and uh, we'd love to have a conversation with him. Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you, uh, Imam Tahir Khalid. Wa alaikum assalam, jazakallah for having me on today. Thank you for uh, for joining us. Um, so, as an Imam uh, of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, uh, I believe you work in the community, so you're out in the field uh, and you um, communicate with uh, the locals, with, with members of society. Um, first of all, how do we as Muslims? Uh, how how can we communicate with our neighbours uh, during this this festive period, but also stay within our limits as Muslims? I mean, it's um, I always look at this time as as a great opportunity to to reach out and make friends, whether it's with your neighbours um, and 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 as in Islam, your neighbours don't just extend 
to those who are opposite you or side by or the houses which are beside you. Um, but in Islam, your your prophet peace and blessings of Allah be said that your neighbors can be up to forty houses in each direction. Um, so so you're 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 looking at uh, uh, over a hundred houses, uh, which can be termed and categorized as your neighbors. So I personally look at it as a time where I can reach out to them. I can reach out to schools. I can reach out to 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 clubs and communities, um, and and explain to them and and just not even use it as a time to explain our belief on Christmas, but to to celebrate it with them or support them in the season changing. Um, and we give out gifts. We give out seasons greeting cards, um, and uh, and then we tell them, look, if you need any support from us as a community. Um, we're we're here to help you. We're here to serve the community as well. Um, so uh, yeah, it's a great time to to uh, as is the whole year. But this is more like an excuse, really. It's an excuse that you have to to go out and and uh, build further relationships, give gifts to your to your neighbours and 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 the friends that aren't cel- that are, that are celebrating Christmas. Obviously, as Muslims, we don't. Um, but for those that are celebrating, it's a good time to to just reach out um, and. Um, and extend your season's greetings with them. And slowly and steadily, when you have a, a good relationship with them, a good, frank and honest relationship with them, then whenever the opportunity arises, then you can tell them on, on what your belief is on Christmas um, and why it's it's different to what the current picture of Christmas is like. Um, thank you for that, uh, Imam Tahir. Uh, another question uh, that nearly slipped my mind notes there now. Um, so... You mentioned that it's a it's a great opportunity to to meet our neighbors and actually you know if if um, neighbors in Islam extends to forty forty houses in each direction yeah you're right it will be well over a hundred neighbors that we have and potentially that we need to look out for um, in that same sense we know that uh, we are unfortunately living in an age of um, severe loneliness and and people are left alone especially during these festive seasons. Uh, and it can be quite dampening on m- many moods of uh, the eld- elderly generation. What do we do uh, as Muslims or as the Ahmadiyya Muslim community to support those people, and and how do we how do we help those individuals? I mean, we've always tried to support people that are going through any sort of difficulty, really. But in this time, when there's when there's a lot of loneliness, when we know that as a as a nation, people who are celebrating Christmas, uh, and it doesn't it doesn't extend to just those who are Christians, but it ex- extends to everyone because this is it's been promoted in such a um, and, and now nowadays it's such a world a worldwide cultural and commercial phenomenon that it's now in every household Christmas is in some way um, talked about uh, and it's spoken of, but when people are lonely, when people don't have anyone to celebrate with. Or, or share this uh, their festivities with uh, as a community as a youth organization we've we've arranged um we've arranged these dinners we've arranged uh, uh, these clubs where elderly people can come and meet with one another um and they can again these will be solely for those people who are elderly you don't have loved ones to celebrate with and we can get them together in one in one room we feed them free food um and this happens uh, on, on separate occasions across the year, this also happened when the pand- pand- pandemic first started, um, and people were a, lo- a lot of people were, in a way, 
um, locked up in their homes. Um, they they weren't able to get out. People were scared, um, especially the elderly. Uh, and so what we did, we, we initiated a, um, a helpline um, and we promoted it as much as possible. We reached out to our neighbours, again, in the same way that we're doing now. And we said, look, if you need any help in any way, then we're, we're here to serve you. Um, and this extends again to everyone as well, especially now. Uh, whoever is listening, if you ever need anyone to, or you need someone to talk to or you need some help, assistance, you can reach out to the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. Thank you. Uh, finally, it's a question that I've asked uh, the fathers uh, or the parents um, on this uh, on this topic. You, I believe, also have children. How are you balancing um, sending your children to uh, a, a school here in the West and also teaching them about themselves and teaching them about um, the birth of uh, Jesus as the Isa and Islam? Um, so again, it is it is um, it's a bit of a sensitive topic, and I listened to your previous caller as well. Um, it is a sensitive issue. I mean, just recently, I think it was like maybe just two weeks ago, um, the children in the school were doing their nativity plays, um, and uh, my son was playing as um, I think it was either um, uh, people were dressed as different animals, so he was probably dressed as a horse or something. Uh, a lot of kids were dressed as different animals, and they had songs which I've never heard of before. Um, but they're just saying that animals, everyone should wake up uh, because the the, the baby is about to be born. Um, and he'd been singing this for a few months, to be honest, before the na- this this play was about to to happen. Um, and I only when I got to the play, I realized that this is what the song was about. Um, but he had been singing it for for a good few weeks, a good few weeks before the play um and and even before i mean he's now started his first year in reception but even when he was in nursery um when when children are being taught certain things in school it's extremely important that in your own household by your behavior and by explaining to children in a very loving way and understanding way they'll be able to realize um what is right and what is wrong and they they pick up a lot of things especially from their parents um and they'll be able to understand as long as you're able to explain in a very good manner so i've explained to my son um that look this this is um christmas is a time where people who celebrate christmas uh christians celebrate christmas they are they celebrate the birth of jesus um and uh, and but my son has for some reason or whatever has been taught at school, he's he's pictured it with with uh, Christmas with the snow, uh, and it was this was a, a perfect excuse for me to to explain what our stance is, uh, and he kept going on that oh is it going to snow on Christmas Day, and I said look there's, there's Christmas and December have no relationship, and me being with my son I can teach him what I like as in the schools they like to teach certain things I at home I have the privilege to teach him what I like in a way that it's it's understandable for him and he can understand um, um, and acknowledge what I'm saying. So I tell him that, look, um, I, I explained to him from the Bible and the Quran, and he knows that these are religious books. That's all he knows that are sent by God. So I say, look, in the Quran, uh, Allah says to the mother of Jesus, Prophet Jesus, um, that, in, in, that when she was about to give birth, God told her to, to shake the trees which which have which grow dates on them, um, 
and shake it and then these these dates will drop and you can eat them. And my son knows these dates. They're called kujur. We eat them uh, in our house. They're always there. But he knows what these are. And say, look, these, are, these grow in the summer months. Yeah? You have July, August, September. These summer months, these are when they grow. They can't grow in December because look outside, look at the trees. There's no... There's no leaves, there's no fruits. The, uh, 90% of the trees, they've, they've, they're withered away. They've dropped, their leaves have fallen down. So how can fruits grow on these, tre- grow on these trees? So he's understood that analogy. He's understood that um, it doesn't, you, can't grow, you can't grow dates or you can't grow fruits in the, in the winter months. Um, so I explained it to him from the Quran in this way. And then I explained that, look, even in the Christian books, in the, in the, in the Bible, it talks about um, the shepherds that were... Um, that were looking after the, the, the flock of sheep at night. And I said, look, do you open the door at night? Do you open the window at night? And he goes, no, it's too cold. So how is it possible for... for... And the Bible also says that they would sleep outside as well. So I said, look, look, the, the, it, how can we sleep outside? How can we even open the window at night or let alone open the door um, and sleep outside? He said, no, I, told him, I asked him, would you be able to sleep outside? He said, no, it's too cold. Um, and it's the same thing, but if, if um, and I explained it, that looks, when the Quran or when the Bible are talking about the weather, when it's talking about this, uh, the, the, the situation and it's, and it's painting a picture of the scenario, it shows that it can't be uh, a winter month. It's talking about the summer when, the, when people in those days would sleep outside, uh, when people would flock to their sheep, look after their sheep at night. But when you when I I've, I've been fortunate I've been able to explain it to my son he's understood it but even when he's gone to school and he's he's done the plays um, he comes back and he says look we celebrate we celebrate Eid our celebration is Eid we don't celebrate Christmas we celebrate Eid and and I'm trying to grow this confidence in him as well that you shouldn't be a lot of people they can be defensive but we should be in a way we should be proactive we shouldn't be scared about what our our, our religion teaches. And, and and you should promote it and support it. So what we've done is we've we've prepared cards and gifts to give out to the schools and neighbours. He came with me just the other day. I went out and we gave it to every. We gave cards to everyone on our street, seasons greetings and happy new year to around 35 houses just on my street. Um, and we've received cards from them as well. So by doing this and explaining what what we believe and promoting the importance of Eid. That he sees that that um, these people are getting gifts, and we tell him that look, when it's our time for our celebration, we're going to give you gifts as well. We have our days; they have their days, uh, and this is something which the the fourth caliph explained as well when a child asked him, "Why don't we celebrate Christmas?" Um, because we don't celebrate the the uh, religious um, festivals of other other faiths. Our festivals are Eid. Uh, do we celebrate Hanukkah? Do we celebrate the Passover? Do we celebrate Diwali? No, we don't. It's because they're, yes, we support them. We, we can help them if they need assistance, but it's for their faith. Uh, and we acknowledge it, we respect it, um, but that doesn't mean that we should adopt that as well. Uh, yes, we should give them that respect and, and reverence, uh, but at the same time, we need to understand the importance of our own, uh, our own religious festivals. Otherwise, the generations that are growing up, coming uh, the newer generations which are coming out, they people are tending to turn away from their faith, turning away from their festivals and the importance of staying true to what their faith teaches them. 
Thank you for that, Imam Tahir. Um, made some very, very good points there. And also, I appreciate that you've highlighted the Islamic viewpoint um, and actually some of the facts actually around the, the birth of um, the birth of Jesus. And also, um, we, we, uh, I commend uh, your uh, approach to teaching uh, the birth of Jesus to, to your child and also how you've balanced it and also taking him out and, and meeting neighbours and, and, and teaching them about our own uh, festivities. So uh, thank you for that and uh, we appreciate you. your comments. Jazakallah, thank you. Um, some very good points there made by Imam Tahir Khalid um, and I think one of the key takeaways is that we are respectful, we are inclusive and that we support our neighbours and our community. You know, Islam uh, it enforces us to um, be loyal to our nation and our nation as was the nation of, at the time of Hazrat Muhammad peace and blessings of God be upon him was one that had all uh, manners of faith and people around whom uh, Hazrat Muhammad peace and blessings of God be upon him supported and respected and looked after and protected and in that same manner we hope to do the same so if there is anyone out there that is in need of any support please do know that you can turn to the Ahmadiyya Muslim community for any for any means of support uh, we are ready to help we are ready to serve uh, and in that same sense we do wish everyone uh, an enjoyous festive season um, and we hope that everyone is staying safe, staying well we have come towards the end of the show we hope that it has been uh, informative, enjoyable uh, please do listen to the remainder of the shows that we have not just on, just for today but for the week and also Saturday morning live next Saturday which will be the last show of the year uh, I think Nosh is going to be on that one so please do look out for that and uh, thank you May peace and blessings of God be upon you.